in a series called Finding Peace in a World of Chaos, okay? And uh, this was something that I just really felt that the Spirit of God wants to arm us with as we're in a tumultuous time in America. I mean, there's all sorts of things going on. There's, there, we're still dealing with the things from the pandemic, and now we're getting into winter, and people are upset about the vaccine, and people are upset about the border, and people are upset at your job, and people are upset everywhere. There's a lot of chaos out there around us. But the Bible says that if, as, as sons and daughters of God, you and I don't have to live in the chaos. We can find peace in the chaos. And so uh, I want to encourage you to go back on the podcast. You can listen for those messages. Uh, I just want to give you a quick recap. Week one, we talked about how what anxiety is. And the anxiety comes from uh, basically one of, the de- one of the things we found out is sometimes anxiety comes from things being out of order. It is known as a mental disorder. That word disorder means out of order. And we talked about some of the studies that were done that find if you just, uh, you just clean in your house, come on somebody, can boost your mood. Amen? Uh, you just driving around in a clean car can make you a little bit more happy. Amen? Instead of stepping over the Burger King wrappers in there and, the, and throwing the cups aside. Listen, uh, an environment where you're in order is going to help you in your mental uh, state. And we talked a little bit about that. But we also talked about what that means in the Word of God. That uh, many times anxiety can be an indicator that something in your life is out of order. Oh, come on, somebody. Amen. Uh, It's an indicator. So you got to be careful right now in our society. We love to just medicate the problem, but not solve it. Now, I'm not against medication. I've said that before. If you're on medication, keep taking that. Tell your neighbor, keep taking his medication. Just tell him. Somebody needs to hear that today. Okay. Somebody needs to hear that. But We've got to understand what we're finding in the medical world is there a lot of times they don't want to fix something. They just want to help you cope with it. Okay. But Jesus wants to fix it because one of his names is the healer. That's what Jehovah Rapha, the one that heals and healing fixes things. But we can get frustrated because he doesn't do it on our timetable. We can get frustrated because it ain't happened yet. How long? How long? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the anxiety that some of us are feeling, don't just seek relief. Check your life because it could be an indicator that something's out of order. Could be an indicator that you love money more than you love God. Could be an indicator that your family is placed above the God that's supposed to be number one. 
could be an indicator of a lot of things. It could be an indicator of, of your thought life being out of whack and you doing things against the divine order of God. And we talked about that. And then we left that first week talking about understanding that you have to let the shepherd take care of you. And we talked about why sheep need a shepherd. And it's so important that we understand as Christians that you are never meant to do it all yourself. We are sons and daughters of God, and our God loves to be trusted. He loves to be depended on. The problem is our human nature loves to not need anybody, and we've got to kick that to the curb because being a Christian is a team sport. Oh, come on, somebody. And when you're trying to do this thing on your own, you are out of order in that sense. And we talked about that. You can go listen to that message. The second week, we also talked about how to find peace. And we looked at Psalms 23 and we looked at the life of David and how one of the ways that David found peace was he would uh, rehearse his past victories. And when he would be about, then when he faced the giant and the giant's trying to use fear tactics, just like that giant tries to use fear tactics on you, just like your sickness or your disease is speaking to you every day. You're never going to get better. You're never going to get better. I got you. That addiction is speaking to you. You'll never get your life together. You'll always be a failure. See, David knew how to stop and not let Goliath's voice get on the inside of him. And the way he did that, and he did that this throughout his life, he would rehearse past victories. And when Saul, the voice of reason, came to him and said, man, you can't beat this giant, David began to show him, no, I can because I beat a bear, I beat a lion, God did those things for me, and he'll do this for me. See, what he was doing there, he was finding peace in his past victories. And we've got to be careful that we don't get amnesia to the things that God does for us. Some of you forget that he pulled you out of the muck and the mire. Some of you forget you should not have a career like you have. You was raised by a crazy woman. Oh, come on. I hope she's not here today. You were raised by a psycho father and you still have a good life. Listen, you shouldn't have the life you have, but God got you through victory, victory over victory. You were rejected by everybody. And look at you. But we forget that. And we see the next challenge and we fall to pieces. It'll never happen for me. It'll never. No, we've got to learn how we find peace is we've got to keep those past victories close. And what is that called? That's called learning to keep our praise fresh. You better give God praise for what you got. You better quit drinking your own Kool-Aid. In the words of Flavor Flav, don't believe your own hype. Come on, somebody. Don't believe your hype. Don't believe your hype. It wasn't you. You aren't that smart. You're smart, but you ain't that smart. You got a good husband. Come on. You don't look that good. He's a good husband. You got yourself a good man. God just gave you some favor right there. Come on. She, she ain't all that, but let me just throw her some favor. She's going to get a good man. Amen. I'm telling you, we, we, we pat ourselves on the back too much. Well, I did this. I did this. No, remember what your God did for you. And then when you face another challenge, instead of getting all anxious and worried, say, no, God got me through that. He got me through that one time when I, when I relapsed and I went back, but then he pulled me out again. And so even though I'm stressed now, I'm going to keep going. Amen. So we learned that David's methodology in getting peace was he's going to give God praise. And you've got to learn, and we talked about this, that praise brings his presence. That's why when we come in here, we, we open up with praise and worship. Why? Not be, it's, it's not like the Tonight Show. Come on, somebody. Amen. We, church, we treat church like it's a television program. You know, before Jimmy Fallon walks out, the Roots do a little thing, and they play their song, and, da, 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 and then Jimmy Fallon comes out. Yay! That's not what we do at church. Come on. The worship team is not the opening act, y'all. Come on. And that's why some of us, we walk in halfway through the service because we think, oh, as long as pastor ain't up there, it ain't started yet. But see, we're missing it because what you got to understand, there's a method to this thing. This is why every church you go to around the world starts with praise because praise brings his presence. Can I get an amen? And when his presence is here, you don't need to hear me. You need to hear him. 
I'm simply his, his vessel. That's all I am. Amen. See, my prayer is that you, when you leave here, you heard his voice through my voice. Amen. That you heard his voice through the songs you sang. That you, you're going to hear his voice when he's in the room. That's why we don't just get up here and start preaching. No, we need him to show up first. Because I may say one thing, but he's sitting right next to you and he'll, he's the one that elbowed you. It wasn't your husband. He was the one going, hey, you, did you get that right there? Did you hear that? And there's sometimes I'll say one thing, but you'll hear another. It's amazing to me, some of the testimonies. Some, Pastor, I was in church last week and I heard you say this and I'm thinking in my head, oh, praise God. I'm, I didn't say that. I don't know where they got that, but his presence. And so we talked about this, his presence brings peace. So if you got an anxiety problem, catch me now, you got a presence problem. Because where his presence is, peace will be. And where peace will be, anxiety's got to go. Worry's got to go. And so too many times we just want to, we want to treat the fruit, but we got to go deeper than that. When anxiety is is attached to your life, learn to run into his presence. Can I get an amen? Amen. And we talked about that. You could go on the podcast and look at that. And then last week, man, Pastor Cruz just brought an amazing word about standing on your rampart. But in the evening, those of you that were able to come back at six that day, he talked about something. We had a little conversation about anxiety. And he brought up something that was very, very important. He talks about that, that word anxiety and how it's associated with the word. I always mess this word up. Somebody help me out here. Asphyxiate? Did I say that right? Come on, man. My, my uh, public school education is trying to hold me back right now. <laughs> David Reese and James Rudder. Amen. Bear with me. Hope there's no teachers here. Amen. That was my day. Yeah, it's better now, I'm sure. Anxiety. So anxiety is, it comes from that word asphyxiate, which means to take your breath. And he talked about that. And we also put that up on the podcast. You can listen to that. And he correlated the, the taking of your breath with Genesis chapter two, where the Bible talks about when man was created, it was God that breathed his breath inside of you. And so anxiety is many times demonic because what it's trying to take from you is the breath of God. And what is the breath of God? The breath of God is his word. The breath of God is his essence. And so what happens when we all fall under anxiety or worry? We kick God out and our thoughts are left to themselves. So we start having thoughts like, I'm never going to get healed. I'll always be this way. Things are never going to get better. And when you think like that, you know what you're eliminating? The God factor, the breath. Because you've got to remember one thing. Pastor Charles says this all the time. God is on your side. He's on your side. So anything you're facing, he's facing too. And can I just tell you something? God doesn't lose. Tell your neighbor, you're on the winning team, dude. You're on the winning team. The Lakers ain't got nothing on God, amen? Sorry, LeBron. Come on. And so we talked about that, and this is where I want to jump off for the remainder of the time that we have for you here. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4, because this is the last message in this series, and I want this to be a tool in your toolbox. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 4 says this. This is the story of of, uh, Elijah and Jezebel. And it says this, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, it's enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I'm no better than my father's. Let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you today that we have authority over fear and anxiety, that we have authority over worry. And Father, I just pray today as we get into the word that your presence that is evident here because of our praise, you promised to be enthroned in the praises of your people, that you would speak through my voice, that you would use me as your vessel today to help arm and equip your people for war against anxiety, fear, and worry, and depression. In Jesus' name, amen. This is a great story here, and you've probably heard it preached a lot. There's so much meat in this story here. What is happening is if you read 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah has his, his greatest moment of his ministry. He, he calls out the prophets of Baal. Y'all, some of you know the story. He, he tells them, hey, man, God's not cool with y'all serving this other God, Baal. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to settle who the true God is. And we're going to go up to Mount Carmel. And we're going to have this showdown. You guys call down fire from your God. I'm going to call down fire from my God. And whoever shows up is God. And that's who we serve. So everybody agreed to it. It was on pay-per-view, the whole thing. I think Dana White was involved. I'm not sure. But uh, they all got together. And the Bible talks about these 400 prophets of Baal. I think it was 400. And then they got out there and they began to do their rituals. They began to light their incense. They began to do all that, you know, stuff that some of y'all still do. Uh, uh, you know, and they began to do their chanting and their yoga and their this and their that. And then they got upset and then they start cutting themselves. They start cutting themselves to bring about their God. I think there's a correlation with some of us that have maybe dealt with cutting before. So that's what the scripture says they did. And in all that they did, nothing happened. Elijah's sitting there. He's laughing. The Bible says he's mocking them. Where's your God? Y'all are whack, whatever. And he steps up and he says this. He goes, you know what? I'm going to call down fire, but it's going to take something. And, and the, the, the nation's in a drought. He says, go get this, dig these ditches, fill this with water. They fill it with water. Long story short, he calls down fire. God shows up. The whole nation's captivated. Oh my gosh, we've been doing it wrong. Forgive us. They go into a time of repentance. And the Bible says uh, that um, uh, Elijah has all the prophets slayed. They're, they're, he kills them all, all right, by the sword. Then he runs to the mountain and he says, God, end, this, end, end this, uh, this drought that we're in, this famine that we're in. Come on, how many know we need that in California right now? Amen. And so he goes up and he prays that it would rain. And guess what starts to happen? It rains. Guys, revival is happening in the land. But all of a sudden, we show up at 1 Kings 19. And this queen, this lady by the name of Jezebel, makes a threat. First of all, Elijah was no punk. He shouldn't have been phased by a threat from a lady. Sorry, ladies, no offense. But the reason I say that is because the scriptures point out that he was the one that slayed 400 dudes. He did it. Forget about strength. I'd have just been tired after of the fifth guy you slice up. Ah. <sighs> okay, another one. 400 dudes he slayed. He saw fire come out of heaven, which testifies that he knew how God, powerful God was. But all of a sudden, and this is how it comes, depression hits his life. Some of you know how that works all too well. Depression is something that tries to attack all of us. We all, myself included, have to fight that depression thing. It's something that is aggressive and it's something that will attack your life even when everything is going well, like in Elijah's uh, context here. Everything's great, but because of one circumstance that wasn't great, it drew all of Elijah's attention and zapped all of his strength to where he's crying out, God, just take me out. Suicidal thoughts for the man of God. Suicidal thoughts for the man who saw God move 
like you and I wish we could see God move. In less than a day's time, he's saying, God, just kill me. I'm done. And many of us have been in that place where you wished, I I just want to clock out. I just want this thing to be over. Probably a majority of us in here have known somebody that's committed suicide, been affected by this kind of depression. Uh, I told you uh, recently about another pastor, another pastor in San Diego area, my brother was telling me about, who pastored for over 20 years, just took his life, committed suicide. It's happening. It happens everywhere. It It happened in this case with Elijah. Now, what, let's, let's talk about that word depression for a minute, all right? The, the di- dictionary definition of depression is this. You can put it on the screen there. It's a mental condition characterized by feelings of severe despondency and dejection. It's typically also with feelings of inadequacy and guilt, often accompanied by lack of energy and disturbance of appetite and sleep. And the second definition that I found in the, in the dictionary basically means this, to press or hold you down. That's what depression is after. Depression wants to hold you down. The name of this church is Elevate. Because I believe God wants to launch you. He wants to lift you. Come on, somebody. Amen. Now, we're fighting a battle. You're fighting a battle. And guess what? Your kids are going to fight that battle. And your kids' kids are going to fight that battle. Nothing's worse than seeing people you love deal with depression. So let me tell you something. We're all going to face it, and many of us have already. But here's what I want to arm you with. I want to give you some weapons for dealing with depression. So this is not the Sunday to catch a nap. Amen? This is not the Sunday to clock out on me. Amen? This is the Sunday to lean in, to write something down, to get your phone out, not on Facebook, but take some notes, because you're going to need this message. And not only will you need it, guess what? Your sons will need it. Your daughter will need it. Because sometimes just telling them, mijo, it's going to be okay, is not going to do it. You're going to need to give them some word. Amen? Amen. Because nothing works like the word of God. Let me prove it to you. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Look what it says here. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your disobedience is fulfilled. What is he saying here? He's saying we're in a battle, but your battle, the way you're going to win it is not carnal. You're not going to just white knuckle through your battle. Some of you just love to just grin and bear it. I'm just going to get through this thing. No, you know what? You're going to have to learn how to use weapons that are not carnal, okay? Weapons that can pull down the strongholds in your mind, all right? So let me quickly today, well, in the time that I got you, let me give you weapons for dealing with depression. Y'all ready? How many of y'all like weapons out there? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Some of you got too excited right there. What are we talking, Pastor? What kind are we talking? What kind are we talking? No, no, no. Okay, number one, first weapon for dealing with depression. You ready? Change your thinking. Pastor, how's that a weapon? <laughs> it's a weapon, all right. Your mind is your greatest weapon outside of your spirit. Change your thinking, all right? Change your thinking. So, uh, well, well, that sounds so basic. Well, yeah, I changed my thinking. Guys, sometimes the keys to the kingdom are right in front of your face. See, we always want a deep, some new deep revelation, some some big thing. But God says, man, if you just do what you know, you're going to be all right. Amen? Amen? Amen. Some of y'all know how to make your wife happy. 
Do what you know. Man, the Kingsman got real quiet in here. Ooh, oof. that's a word, I guess. You know what makes her smile? Do what you know. Change your thinking, right? Weapons for dealing with depression. Change your thinking. Let me, let, me, let me tell you why this is so important. Understand this. Your emotions are always the result of your thoughts. I'll say it again. You put that on the screen. Your emotions are always the result of your thoughts. If you're depressed, chances are it's because your thoughts are depressing. Remember, the definition of depression comes from feelings, the mental condition characterized by feelings, feelings of inadequacy and guilt. Depression, ready? It's all about feelings. It's all about feelings. Your emotions are always a result of your thoughts. So here's the thing. If you're depressed, it's an indicator. You know what it's an indicator of? You're not thinking right. You're not thinking right. Now remember, we all deal with this. I deal with this. And we've got to start understanding and, and understanding ourselves to the degree to where we start viewing our emotions in the right way. See, we live in a generation right now that is completely controlled and manipulated, I might add, by their emotions. The media has found out how to control the masses. If I can make you feel a certain way, we can make you do what we want. So, so let's put news out that makes everybody angry about what's going on at the border. Smile at me, church. Everybody's angry, but ain't nobody got answers. Well, let's just get everybody angry about the coronavirus. Let's get everybody angry about the vaccine. And some of you just feelings, feelings, feelings. But feelings are never supposed to lead our life. Because feelings are up and down. Right? Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes you feel like a nut. Sometimes you don't. It's just up and down. We have feelings. Listen, here's what you got to understand. Feelings are simply, or emotions, I should say, are simply indicators. If you're emotionally in a good place, it's because your thinking's in a good place. If you're emotionally in a bad place, it's because your thinking is in a bad place. So if you're going to move out of depression when it tries to come, or you're going to keep depression from coming, you got to change your thinking. Let me give you an understanding here that you you maybe didn't know. You're in control of your thoughts. Oh, come on, somebody. Yes, a revelation for some of y'all, because some of you wake up angry and you think it's everybody else's fault. No, you can change how you feel by changing how you think. And if we can just get you thinking right, you'll start feeling right. Write this down. Wrong believing is what produces depression. Wrong believing. You ain't believing the wrong thing. You know what gets me depressed? Can I just be transparent with y'all up here? I know some of y'all think I'm Superman. I'm not. I go through what you go through. I get my feelings hurt too. I got to forgive people too. I get mad too. I got to go through the same things. But you know what, what, what gets me depressed sometimes? When I start allowing my mind to think that God is not going to get me out of my situation. See, that's wrong thinking. Because his Bible tells me he's with me. I use this all the time, but it's the freshest example of when we were going through this building project. (laughs) I was battling depression because I was battling wrong thinking. There was a portion of my mind that was going, dang, how are we going to raise this money? How are we going to pay for this? This is the end. We're not going to be able to do it. 
And all of that is wrong thinking. So when I pulled myself out, I'd have to come over here to the church and I'd have to go, God, you called me here. God, your word says that if I pray, you will hear my prayers. God, your word tells me that if I give, it will come back to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God, because I give my tithe and our church tithes, we have something coming back. Are you, are you tracking with me? I had to get my thoughts right. And when I did, I'd start feeling right. And guess what? So do you. See, you think you're depressed because you're single. No, you're depressed because you think wrong about being single. Because you think it ain't never going to happen. I've been waiting so long. Quit thinking like that. Quit thinking like that. Amen? And you see another couple walk by and you go, they're so lucky. <laughs> wrong thinking. Wrong thinking. Here's what you should be doing. You see another couple walk by and go, ooh, that's me in six months. Ooh, that's me. Ooh, ooh. You get invited to a wedding? That's not, ah, oh, dang, I got to go to another wedding. I'm still single. No, go scoping it out and be like, ooh, well, I'm going to do mine like this too. No, I don't like that. My wedding's going to be a little different. And you walk in that wedding and you're like, hmm, I'm, I'm planting for mine right now. See, right thinking will produce right emotions. Are you tracking with me today? You got to think right. You got to think right. Man, when I was a single young man, I, I remember, man, when I would get around these young pastors and they had pretty wives, ooh, that would always build my faith. Because in the churches I came up in, ooh, help me, help me. Grew up in some Pentecostal churches, you know, and the hermanas just didn't do it for me. They just didn't do it for me, you know. Sister Rose, and now it's like, ugh. You know. Sister this, sister, I mean, whatever. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. But I remember when a preacher, I'd get around a preacher, and he would this is his wife, and she was fine. I'd be like, amen, Father, you are, there is a God. There is a God. Mine's coming. Mine, are you tracking with me? See, you get to decide how you think, and how you think will produce how you feel. Are you getting this today? But you got to believe right. This is why Philippians 4, 8 through 9, this should be your next back tattoo or whatever it is. For those of you guys who like to tattoo scriptures on you. Listen, read this. It says this, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, word of God, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst. The beautiful, oh, come on, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized, and then do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmony. That's a tattoo right there a tattoo. You got to have a big back like mine for that. That's a lot there though. But. Are you seeing what he's saying? But see, we fill our mind with all the other stuff. Like some of us can't even look in the mirror and see the good. That's why you have to take 30 selfies to get the one, right? Like, I'm going to post a selfie, and you got to take 30 of them to find just the one. And then even on that one, you got to throw a filter. Why? Because <laughs> because we're too trained to see the bad. We're too trained to see the bad. This is why some of you never tell your kids how awesome they are. Because you're just too trained to see the bad. It's always what they didn't do instead of what they did do. 
Oh, my, the, the teenagers are getting happy in here right now. My kids are like, yes, dad, that's right. Because <laughs> we all do it. We all do it. And that's why Paul tells us here in the letter to the Philippians, man, start thinking on right stuff. Don't let yourself go to the ugly. Stay on the pretty. Amen? Stay on the pretty. The news is always going to report the negative, the bad. We love to hear bad news. Get rid of that and start meditating. Change your thinking. If you're depressed, it's an indicator you ain't thinking right. Listen, I've been there. I've been there. Listen, when we moved from Florida, I thought we would, have, we would buy a house in a couple of years. And it took us almost 13 years to buy the house. And in that time, I would get depressed like, man, God, where are you? Why, why, why hasn't this happened? Is it ever going to happen? Prices are going up. And those are all depressing things. But when I would shift my mind to go, but God, you called us here. You are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Listen, don't just sing the song, live the thing. Amen. He's your provider. And anytime I've needed to pull myself out of something, it always starts with your thinking. Amen. It'll never start with your circumstances. Some of y'all are waiting for things to change and then you'll get happy. No. No, it's not going to work that way. Change your thinking. Amen. Number two. Amen. Number two. Here we go. How do we find peace? These are weapons for dealing with depression. Number two. You ready? Live in the present. Live in the present. Some of y'all ain't even in this room right now. You're somewhere else in here. You're at home. You're at home eating wings, watching the game. That's where you are. You ain't here. You don't live in the present. Now, why is this a weapon against depression? Here, here's why. Because look at what Psalms 119, 105 says again uh, uh, about our God. David writes this, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. I like what it says here. It gives you a kingdom key that if you learn this, it's going to save you a lot of wrinkles and a lot of gray hairs. The word is a lamp to your feet. Your feet. That means this. When the word's in my life, I could see where I'm at. I, it's not promising me that I could totally see down the way there. Now, it talks about the path being lit, okay? But catch what the word is doing first and foremost. Basically, what's happening is it's being lit, but it's being lit step by step by step. We don't like that, though. Come on. We want to know the whole story. This is why people lose their minds over prophetic words. People will jump on airplanes and go to conferences just to get someone to prophesy to them about their future. Listen, I love prophetic words. We flow in the prophetic. Paul said, don't you dare despise the prophetic. We need the prophetic. But the reason we like it sometimes is wrong. Because we're trying, here it is, to get ahead of God. And God don't want you to know. He don't want you to know. Because he's God. Not you. Tell your neighbor, you ain't God. Tell him a little attitude, too. You ain't God. So here's where depression many times comes from. You ready? It comes from getting ahead of God. How is it going to happen? I'm going to start a business, but how is it even going to happen? I'm, I want to get a house, but I don't qualify right now. I want to have a girlfriend, but I don't see anybody in my circle that I like. Guess what? You're getting ahead of God. His word is a lamp to your feet. You know what that means? 
His word is a lamp to where you are at right now. Right now. He wants you to just be present. Isn't that what Jesus says? Jesus said, hey, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Be present. And we don't like to be present. We like to either be in the past or we like to be in the future. But here's the problem. Both of those two areas carry anxiety. How long are you going to live in the past pain? How long are you going to relive the nightmares of what happened to you in prison, the crime you did? And you say, Pastor, it's not my fault. It's just in there. No, we can deal with that. If you can discipline your mind to stay in your present, but you keep going back and you keep reminiscing. You keep listening to oldies. You know, there really should be some songs you don't listen to no more. Y'all know me. Y'all, I love, I'm old school, okay? I love music, uh, and I mean, I do, and most of what I listen to is old school. But believe it or not, there's a list of songs that I just can't play anymore. Because I don't like where they take me. Amen? Because I want to be in the present. So many people suffer anxiety from things that happened to them when they were children. They're still anxious about how their mom rejected them. Their father wasn't there for them. If God could just get you to live in the present, he could heal you from the past. But you got to make a conscious decision. That's not me no more. You know what the word of God has taught me in the book of Romans is to render myself dead to my past. When I give my testimony, when I tell people of what I went through, it's like I'm talking about a dead friend. When I talk about stuff from my past, it's not like, yeah, this is still me. No, that guy's dead. Last week, you saw that dead guy's pictures on the wall, amen? Some of them are from my birthday. I was looking at pictures and going, I remember that dude. He's dead, though, because I'm a new creature in Christ. So if you're going to overcome, guys, if you're going to overcome depression, you got to live in the present, which means this, right? You've got to allow the word of God to be a lamp to your feet. Don't get ahead of God. Let me give you a word here. You're going to reach your destiny step by step. Step by step. Learn to read the Bible through kingdom eyes. David gets a word. You're going to be king of Israel. He goes back to watching the sheep. Why? Because he was present. You know what David did not do? I'm not going out to watch those sheep. I'm king of Israel. No, 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 no. A little too soon, buddy. A little too soon. You're out there in your future. The word's going to light your feet where you are. So when they anointed David king of Israel, he still went out and watched his sheep. And I'm sure he had thoughts like you and I. Well, dang, I'm over here with the sheep right now. And how am I going to be king? How is this going to happen? But I'm sure he came to the conclusion, I ain't going to worry about it. This is where I am. Let me dominate this. So one day his dad, who even though he saw him be anointed king, is still treating him like a slave, not even a son. Sons didn't shepherd the sheep. That was a job for slaves. So his dad sees him get anointed. He's probably mad because he didn't even invite him to the party to begin with. He's the stepchild from some many Bible scholars believe he was a child. He was a love child from an affair that Jesse had. Didn't even want him. Sees him gets anointed, sends him back out to the field. And God says, that's all right. You're right where I want you. His father calls him and says, hey, man, take this food to the front of the battle where your brothers are. And take them this, this food. Again, job of a servant, not a son. 
You know how dangerous that was? These guys are standing at the front of the battle with armor on. He's running over there with cheese sandwiches or whatever he had, quesadillas or whatever. But you know what David was doing? He was present. He wasn't worried about being king. He was just doing the task that was put before him. So he gets out to the battlefield doing the task that was put before him. And his destiny opens up to him. The moment he was just delivering a lunch became the moment that changed everything for David. And he didn't have to figure out how it was going to work. You know what David's grace was? Being in the present time. Doing what his hand had been given to do. Some of y'all are worried about stuff that you shouldn't even be worried about. Well, I want this other thing. How's this going? Just do what God put in your hand right now. Well, how are we going to just do whatever is in your hand to do right now? That's what David did. And guess what happened? Delivering lunches, he had an opportunity to take on Goliath. That changed everything for him. Hey, how about Rebecca in the Bible, right? You remember Rebecca? Rebecca is just out there watering the horses at a well. She's not even thinking about getting married. Oh, come on, somebody. She ain't even thinking about it. She wasn't at the bar. Hey. She was smelling like horses. Serving. And Isaac's servant catches her. And you know what catches his attention? Her generosity. It wasn't that she was fine. It wasn't her hips, lips, and fingertips. He was like, dang, this girl's a worker. And she came over, can I get water for your horse too? First of all, this woman was serving this man like she's just being generous. That moment changed everything for Rebecca. Because guess what happened? The servant goes back and tells Isaac, there's this bad chick over here. <laughs> really? Where'd you meet her? I met her doing what she was supposed to be doing in her presence. <laughs> See, if I could just get some of you guys to quit worrying about how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, you're going to be so happy. But right now you are so stinking depressed Nobody wants to be around you. You better hope he doesn't show up right now because that big black cloud over you, he's going to be like, uh-uh, you, you, you look good, but you ain't good. So let me keep going. I'm trying to help somebody get married in here today. I'm trying to help you be in the present, but you're so worried about stuff, you're depressed. You're depressed. You don't have the house yet. The business hasn't hit yet. Stay in the present. What can you do with where God has you? Guys, I've lived my life like this. I remember moving out to Ocala, Florida, going to a church where there was nobody in that church like me. Small town living, right? Going there thinking I, I, I didn't like anything about it. You guys have heard me tell the story before. Matter of fact, I wanted to leave so bad that the only way I could stay is if I would get up in my bedroom and walk the floor and say, I love it here. I love it here. My flesh would be like, no, you don't. Yes, I do. I love it here. I would literally go into my room and fight for my purpose. And the reason why I said I love it, God, I said, if you called me here, I'm going to make myself love it. Everything about was go back to sack go back to sack. But can I just tell you something? During that battle, it was about more than my happiness. Because if I would have left in that moment, I'd have never met Pastor Tina. I'd have never met her. I'd have never met her. But here's the thing. I knew to just do what God told me to do. I see y'all really can't appreciate that story because you don't, you didn't see where I was at. I was in a place where I look around the room and go, there's nobody even close that I would put a ring on in this room. 
some good people, nobody even close. And then I go to the mall. It's even worse out here. I said, God, I want to get married. The word is a lamp to my feet. And God brought, God brought what I needed. Are you tracking with me here? So you're worried about too much other stuff. I remember when I came to Sacramento. Listen, we, we came here. We're going to start a church. We started having Bible study at my cousin's gym. I couldn't pay people to come. Couldn't get them to come. Handing out tacos wasn't going to do it. Nobody was coming. Nobody wanted to hear me preach. So guess what God did? He said, you know what? Just get a job and provide for your family. So I did that for over two years. I just worked. Couldn't even find a job. So I had to start a janitorial company. Became a janitor. I went from being in full-time ministry, traveling to different nations, preaching and around the country, to starting a janitor business because the word was lighting my feet where I was. Church isn't here, but I have a family. They need to eat. I got to take care of my wife. So I'm going to do, I'm going to live in the present. I'm not going to worry about the church. I'm just going to do this and I'm going to keep doing it. Six months, a year, a year and a half, all the, finally, 12 months, I get, I, uh, I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit. About a year in, I keep my uh, uh, janitorial job, but then I get another job at a place called the California Hispanic Commission. And I start working there uh, for an organization called uh, Proud to Wait. And while I'm there, I'm doing what I know to do. Little by little, people start coming into my office with problems. And they, I start praying with them. And they're hurt and they're going through things. And I start ministering to them. That, those people that I met in that office became our first members of this church. Yeah. So y'all don't get it. The church started because I was in the present. My present didn't seem like this isn't how you start a church. I should be out here. I should be doing that. God says, no, provide for your family. Be in your present. And as I stayed in my present, God began to work things out. But see, you are too far ahead of him. You're way, well, well, I want to do this and then I want to do that and I want to do that. Find out what God's saying to do right now. Make your wife happy. Provide for your kids. Come on, somebody. Amen. Be a good worker. You want to start your own business, but your boss hates you. He hates you because you're lazy. You don't listen. You're not a good worker, but you want to start your own business. Man, dominate your place. Let the word light up your feet because we fall into depression when we're ahead of God. Look at Matthew 6, 34. It says this, give your entire attention to what God's doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And that's where depression comes from. You're too far ahead. You're too far behind. Get yourself in the present. Amen. And you'll always have victory over your depression. Let me keep going so I can let you go here. Uh, if you could come and help me, Charles. All right. So number three, third weapon here in, in finding peace. Is this helping anybody today? Let God lead you. What has he told you to do? Then do it well. You got some of you got big dreams, but you're not even a good church member. Some of us have, we, we've got, we want, we want this for our family. We want that. Well, be faithful to God where you're at. I want God to do this for me. Be in the present. Be in the present. If you could just get in the present, you'll see depression will leave you. You'll see. Because half of what's weighing you down is stuff that you have no control over. Number three, third weapon in, in fighting depression is this. Put away distractions. Put away distractions. This generation has found so many links between social media and depression. Watch your kids, y'all. Watch your kids. It's not good for them. 
I'm not saying that. Sociologists are saying it. Studies are being done. We have the most depressed generation that has ever walked the face of the earth. It's what they're saying. And I always pose the question, you're depressed? Come on. Y'all don't know. What are you depressed about? We had to go on seven-hour car rides with no TVs in the seats. I see some of the kids, I see my God kids, they come into church and they have their tablets and they get to, you know what I had? I had a pen and a church bulletin. And you was in trouble if you couldn't draw. You was in trouble. But this generation with all their technology, all the, here it is, distractions is dealing with depression. You know what that says? Distraction produces depression because we were never called to live distracted lives. Because at the end of the distraction, you know what you're left with? Waste. You ever just take a day and do nothing? It's good for you if you just take one day. Hey guys, you ever took a day and you just played video games all day? Some of y'all are like, oh yeah. <laughs> you have fun doing it, but you know what? If you're a normal person, at the end of, if you're a normal person, track with me now. Track with me now. Because I believe this. If you're a normal person, you're not going to feel good at the end of it. You're going to feel like you wasted your day. Again, it's okay to do every once in a while. You probably should take days. Like those days sometimes where my wife and I will take a time off and just Netflix and chill and watch, and, and what do they call it? Binge watch something. And you go through, you're in front of that thing for eight hours. It's like, okay, it's my day off, but I still feel like, dang, what did I do? Because it doesn't produce joy. It's a, if you're not careful, it's a form of waste. So we have a generation right now that has the average screen time in, of a week, eight to nine hours of screen time on their phone. A day, a day. And that's coupled with time on the PlayStation. And that's tuple, uh, coupled with other devices and things. And so the links and the studies are finding depression is produced that way. Now, let's just not pick on the younger generation. We can be distracted as well. Look at Isaiah 55 too. It says this, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? You know what he's saying? You're spending all this time on stuff that doesn't produce anything. And when you do, you're gonna feel horrible about yourself. You're gonna feel like you wasted time. Hey, TikTok will suck you in, right? You just go on there going, go, ha that's a funny video. Four hours later. And you got to work in the morning. I mean, it happens, right? I mean, it happens to us all. And it usually will produce a feeling of emptiness and you'll beat yourself up and you'll start your day behind. Well, think about people that live like that every single day day. And this is why you don't feel good about yourself. You're completely distracted when you should be focused because focus blesses your life. Focus is a blessing. When you get up and you got something to do today, hey, come on, you're going to feel good about yourself. I got Mondays tomorrow. Don't ever be like, oh, it's Monday. Man, you got a job to do. Come on. Grow, grow up. Amen. You better thank God for that because if you didn't have that job, you'd be depressed because you and I were created to work. We're created to produce. And so we've got to put away distractions. Number four, the last one here I'm going to give you. All right. Number four, weapon, another weapon against, against uh, uh, depression is you got to reach out to godly people. People want to defeat depression alone. Can I help you today? You can't. You can't. 
I said it earlier today, Christianity is a team sport. You will not make it alone, buddy. You won't. You won't. You can make it to heaven, but you'll have a pretty jacked up life. Christianity is a team sport. I need you. You need me. You need the people around you. You need somebody to pray for you. I'll go a step further. Most of the times, healing and deliverance can only come into your life through the hands of somebody else. God won't even bless your efforts to heal yourself. He'd be like, nope, I put the healing in so-and-so. But I don't like so-and-so. Oh, that's your problem. But the healing's in them. What you gonna do about it? Guess I gotta get over myself. Guess I gotta make some friends. I guess you do. Or live a life depressed. See, here's the thing. He's God, not us. We don't change his rules. And when he's God, you do it his way or you don't. It's fine. He still loves you. He still loves you. But he's God. We want God results, but we don't want to do it God's way. And it does not work that way. So reach out to godly people. Isaiah 55, 8 puts it like this. The new wine is found in the cluster. It's in the cluster. You want that new wine? Come on. You want that boost? You want to get lifted? Come on. It's in this, the cluster. And you let the devil tell you, I don't need church. Quit listening to him. You let the devil tell you, I don't need organized religion. Hey, we're the perfect church for you because we're not that organized. Somebody in the back said, that's true. Hey, hey, easy, easy. I could say that, you can't. I want you to think about this thing as I let you go here. I'm really trying to close this out. When anytime you see demonized people in the Bible, and I found this in my own experiences, but I can't preach to you my experiences. I have to have scripture. But even in my, in my experiences, whenever I've deal, dealt with demonic people, they have one cry that comes out of them. And I challenge you to study the word. You'll find this, the deep demoniac that ran through the tombs. The cry of devils is always, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I've told people, I was telling Willard this the other day as we were having a prayer time together. I said, Willard, you ever hear that phrase come out of me? You know I'm dealing with something. You know there's a devil around me. Because that is not how we're created to be. The devil wants you alone. And when you start sounding like the devil, we got to deal with that. Let's get rid of that thing. Amen. The cry of devils is leave me alone. So here's the thing. If you're dealing with depression, you got to reach out to people. You got to get out there. You got you to gotta get some help. First Peter 5, 8 and 9 says this. Be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Here it is. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. You know, the biggest thing that depression tries to do is try to make you think you're the only one dealing with it. Because he knows the moment you begin to hear, hey man, I doubt with that too, chains break. The moment you start hearing somebody go, yeah, I doubt with that, but God got me through it, chains break. Now hope floods your soul. Now it's like, oh, I might make it through this too. Oh, this isn't so bad. Everything starts changing, but see, Paul, Peter says right here, but you got to get around the brotherhood. Guys, fight for that connection. And I'm, just, I'm not just saying this as a pastor that wants a full church on Sundays. I'm saying it because we need it. Depression is seeking after you like a roaring lion, seeking whom it may devour. Get around the brotherhood. Come on, amen? Change your thinking, amen? Live in the present. It'll happen. Just do successfully what God has called you to do and do it well. 
And you might, you might find that blessing in the oddest place. It might just all of a sudden happen. And then you got one of those amazing stories, right? How'd you and your husband meet? Oh man, I was due. Listen, my, my, I met my wife at a wedding. She came from out of town. Boom. And I intercepted her. Like, like Ronnie Lott. Come on. I stopped going. There's nothing around me. How is this going to happen? Just be present. What's your blessing? I want to start a business. You better be the best worker on your job. Or don't even think about starting a business. Do this well. And then you watch somebody will come and go, hey, do you want to start a business? Because I notice you work really good. And boom, all the questions are answered. Just do this well. I don't know how I'm going to get healed. Do this well. Be in church every week. Read your Bible. Pray in tongues. Come on, somebody. Give your tithe. Confess with your mouth. I'm healed. God, you're healing me. I refuse to give in to hopelessness. I will be whole again. Just do that. Just do that. And watch depression leave you and watch results come. Amen. I kept you a little longer than I wanted to. Stand on your feet today. We're going to baptize some folks in just a minute. I'll give you some time. And again, families, I want you to encourage you to stick around. If you want to take some pictures, uh, they'll take, let you use the stage and all that. But let's pray real quick. Father, as Elijah dealt with depression, your man of God who called down fire from heaven, who saw miracles, he still had to deal with this thought life. And Lord, we'll have to do the same. I pray that these tools today, Father, would help people see that they don't have to live in that vicious cycle of depression. That they can take hold of their thoughts. They can live in their present. Father, they can do these things to help maintain and make sure that we're focused on the right things. And God, as we obey you, as Matthew 6, promises us, as we seek first kingdom things, and Lord, the kingdom is within us, and as we learn how to function from within, you will add everything else into our lives. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by the word of God. And if you have, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast or download our free app at the App Store and you can continue to get word every week from Elevate Life Church.